Hey, folks, I know there are lots of business owners who listen to this show. Maybe some of you never planned on running a business, but now here you are. One thing you've always got to keep in mind is how much you're spending on your operating costs. That's one of the first things we had to keep in mind with WTF. And with things costing more today than they did when we started, you want to keep your expenses down. To reduce costs and headaches, be smart and use NetSuite by Oracle, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. Reduce IT costs, cut the costs of maintaining multiple systems, improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. By popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash WTF for more. That's netsuite, N-E-T-S-U-I-T-E dot com slash WTF. All right, let's do this. How are you? What the fuckers? What the fuck, Nicks? What's happening? I'm Mark Marin. This is my podcast, WTF. How's it going? Today on the show, I talked to Ethan Russell. He's a photographer. Now, look, you know, I get stuff in the mail all the time, man. I get pictures. I get uh, I get books of pictures. But this one, you know, the cover of it is Keith Richards walking off the Rolling Stones chartered plane in 1972 and i'm like what is this and in it there's just these amazing pictures of uh you know john lennon and yoko and the stones and uh, the who and uh, the eagles are in there linda ronsett Janis joplin jim morrison taj mahal um benny goodman they're just but some of the brian jones picked uh, some of the last pictures of brian jones before he died and more importantly not even more importantly but there were pictures from altamont he was on stage at Altamont. And I'm a little obsessed with Altamont. And tomorrow is the 50th anniversary of Altamont. There's a lot of different schools of uh, documentation of the Altamont situation. But by all indications, by all sort of recollections and, and, and pieces on it, it was a clusterfuck of a, very, of a very high magnitude and a very dark, fucking horrendous day. And Ethan Russell was there and he took pictures. And if you get the book, you'll recognize a lot of the pictures. And I, like I, I told you, I get a lot of these books and I like them. But for some reason, maybe it's this moment in my life. Yeah, I'm not really I'm really at the tail end of the boomer thing. This these were not this was not my life. I did not live through it, but I came to it later. The Stones, the Beatles, you know, they'd already they were already well on their way. But there was something about these pictures that really kind of nail something i mean he's just got a great eye and he's got a great way of framing and some of them i you know you just remember from your life from seeing them he did that classic you know picture of keith in front of the sign be patient a drug-free america is a better america whatever it is but it's like seminal i mean you know that picture and he sent it to me he self-publishes this book it's called the best seat in the house and uh you can get it as a book also as an interactive digital version at ethanrussell.com. And, you know, he self-published this thing and he just sent it to me and I love it. So I had, he came down and he comes from, he's living up in the Bay Area. He came down and we talked about it. But I just found it uh, very humanizing and very great. And, and we had a great conversation. So I'm going to talk to him in a minute. And as, as I said, 50 years ago, Altamont. 
And and this also got me sort of reflecting about things and, and trying to realize what, you know, what was my life versus what was the life that I revered from a different time, you know? I'm a little delirious. I'm a little bit in denial. Uh, La Fonda, my cat, is... is um, yeah, is it digressing? Is it, it's just, it's, I don't know, it's happening kind of quickly. I thought it was, you know, you hang on to hope. It's, I, I did not have hope that she would last another year. I thought it would be nice, but she's just so weak. And, you know, I just, I, the, when I give her subcutaneous fluids, it's, it's really kind of, you know, stressful. And I'm just really getting uh, acclimated to the idea that I got to do this soon. She's not in pain, but she's not having any fun either. Maybe I'm projecting that, but it's just, she's just not going to put on any weight. And I don't know, you guys. I, I'm I'm trying to deal. People have been very supportive. I'm getting a lot of good emails. I think when I do make the decision to do it, I'm going to have a vet come here. Uh, and we'll do it. We'll sit there and do it if I can hold her and, and, and get through it. It's very it's very sad and bizarre to me that, you know, I actually have a, a, a kind of, you know, I have 15 years of memories with this cat at different points. You know, these are the cats I found living out in back of my apartment in Astoria, Queens, feral kittens, truly feral they were not. Uh, they they were too old to be um, domesticated. Really, they were quite wild for years. But I just have all these insane memories, and and I guess not unlike um, humans when they get sick. She's just not herself. She's never going to be herself again. Her will is very diminished, almost completely, and uh, it's sad. And you, you know, you just got to wonder when when it just feels like it's time. I was laying on the floor. I'm feeding her with my hands and my fingers. And now today, for some reason, she just started to hide more. And, uh, you know, she was trying to put up a good appearances for a while and showing up on the couch downstairs and hanging out, sleeping with me. But today it just seems worse. And um, I gave her the fluids, but I don't know to what end. And like I always say, you know, there's there's always cats available. There's always cats around, but you get so attached to these things. And I'm not sad that a couple of my longest relationships in terms of living relationships with these cats, Monkey's doing okay, but Fonda, I'm not going to do a goddamn in memoriam today, but I think it's going to happen soon. I, you know, I know it's going to happen soon. I know I got to do it and I'll make the call. I'll do it. I'm not going to wait too long. It's just, it's not even sad. So it, it, of course it's sad, but it's the right thing to do, and uh, I, and there's a way to do it. So you know they don't know. I'll know. I got a weird email from a guy that says he he had the vet come over and do it at the house, but then they took the cat's body away, and he felt bad that he didn't give his other pets time with the dead cat or dog. I don't remember what it was. And do I need to do that? I mean, I, I, are they going to be grieving, or just are they going to just be like, well, that's that. I guess they're not here anymore. Do I have to hang out and leave leave the body around? I don't think so, right? I mean, it just seemed to it seemed like something you know he regrets, but I don't know if it's a reasonable thing. I I don't know. My cats have adjusted to them disappearing before. I I just I don't think I can quite handle that. And I'm also I'm trying to decide whether do I get her cremated and keep the thing and a thing 
keep the stuff in a thing? Is it, you know, these are just avoiding the truth, which is that, you know, I'm going to have to let her go. And that's that, you know, ashes, no ashes. I'm just going to have to do this and it's going to be sad. And I feel like I've been preparing myself for the last couple of weeks and it's, it's coming down to the wire, people. And I don't want to bum you out. It's just, it is what it is. And uh, I would like to mention that Christmas is coming and <laughs> there's new WTF merch for the holidays at podswag.com slash WTF. We got baseball hats, winter beanies. We got new shirts, new mugs, new travel cups. There's a lot of new stuff. You know, a lot of it has the Draplin, the new Draplin logo on there. It's all at podswag.com slash WTF, or you can go to uh, WTFpod.com and click on the merch button. So it's a little heavy over here. As I said, it's heavy. It's heavy. But I'm blessed. Can I say that? I'm blessed or I'm fortunate. Perhaps not blessed. <laughs> you know, I'm just, I, 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 I'm, I'm fortunate. I, you know, my parents are still alive. I have not had any, you know, people in my immediate family fall ill i have not fallen ill my cat is 15 years old and i guess that's in in her 70s in human years and she's old and fragile and she's dying but this is how i'm experiencing that somehow or another i wasn't around for the deaths of my other pets and uh you know i'm i'm around for this i'm here for this and it's just uh you know it's it's not a wake-up call but it it just i'm 56 man it's just sort of uh the years are creeping up, man. So what else is happening? I, I did a big fitting for my uh, role in um, the upcoming Aretha Franklin biopic called Respect. It was, it's always fun to kind of do a real fitting. I went over to a wardrobe house uh, with some wardrobe folks from the movie and got to try on all these different outfits from the late 60s and uh, early 70s. And it was kind of exciting. It really kind of starts to wrap you in the character and then i went and got fitted for some glasses of the period and kind of wraps you in the character a little more and you know then i start to talk a little bit like this and uh i start to feel like the guy a little bit and uh, you know things are starting to come together for me uh there's an intensity to them and i think that um you know it's starting to come together i think the facial hair is going to look right and i think that uh there's a there's a way i can approach it uh you know he was a bit of a rager which is good for me and uh, sure, that's uh, that's where I'm at with it. But uh, look, I um, I'm excited about that. I did some ADR, some uh, voiceover work on the David Bowie film that I did, which looks a lot better than I anticipated. And uh, so that's kind of exciting. It looks like that might get at the very least become a finished movie. And uh, that's that. You know, I'm going to do a little stand up. I'm going to I'm going to add some more tour dates so I can. Uh, Get out to a few places. I'm going to hit the eastern seaboard a little bit in the middle of winter because that's a smart idea. I, I think I scheduled some dates in uh, in Maine and New Hampshire and uh, uh, Long Island and uh, um, am I going to maybe Connecticut? I'm not. I'll let you know. Going to do a couple of Florida dates in February. All right. I'll let you know what's up, Tampa, Orlando. Yeah, I'm going to do a couple Florida dates, and I stay away from that. And I'm going to do a, a Cleveland date, and I believe a, a Michigan date. Is that right? I think it is right. I'll let you know. But I'm going to do about seven dates, 
you know, before the special drops with the uh, material that I've been doing because I can, and there's some places that I haven't been back to in a while, so that's going to happen. And we're going to start shooting uh, the, the fourth and final season of Glow in March. And that's that. And, uh, you know, it's a, it's a, it's kind of that time of year where things slow down a bit here between Thanksgiving and Christmas. It's just this holiday chunk. It's been nice and rainy here in L.A., which means no fires. And I'm just trying to, you know, I'm trying to stay okay with, uh, with what I got to do. I hope you guys are well. And now I want to um, introduce my guest, if I could. Would that be okay? Ethan Russell is a photographer, as I said earlier. The Best Seat in the House is a book available uh, as a book and, an, and also an interactive uh, digital version at ethanrussell.com. It's a great bunch of photographs. And we talk about Altamont because tomorrow, December 6th, is the 50th anniversary of that fucking nightmare. And Ethan photographed it. And this is me uh, talking to uh, Ethan Russell. Sometimes I wish I paid more attention in school or in some cases, any attention at all. There are probably a lot of things I could have gotten more out of, like literature. And now it's probably not in the cards to go back to school and study the classics. But luckily for us, there's a new podcast called The Foxed Page that dives deep into the best books of all time. This is basically like the best possible college English class, but more relaxed and fun. No pressure of grades or needing to prepare something to say in class. It's only the books you want to read and know about presented by best-selling author Kimberly Ford. Everything from Cormac McCarthy to Madame Bovary, from classics like Frankenstein to modern hits like Lessons in Chemistry. I love Ireland, but I missed the boat on James Joyce. The Foxed Page has a three-part series on Dubliners, and that's a pretty great starting point. Want to get the most out of what you read? The Foxed Page is for you. Get it now wherever you get your podcasts. Where do you live? North of San Francisco now. Now I see. So you're not. I I didn't know really what your background was. You're 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 not British. Not Brits. <laughs> but you spent a lot of time there. I did, and I fooled a lot of Americans because I came back, and yeah. they thought I was British. Cause, really? Yeah. Did you speak with a British accent on no, purpose? No, 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 no. Sort of never did that. Right. <laughs> Well, I mean, thanks for sending the book. I, I don't know why you sent it, but uh, I was very excited about it. I had no idea who you were, and I get this amazing book in the mail, and I I looked through it, and I, I've gotten a lot of these kind of books before the photographs, you know. I mean, I talked to uh, Neil Preston. Okay, there you go. You know Neil? Yeah. You guys, you know, if you, the, there's a few shots that just uh, sort of transcend time, right. and, and they are there forever. Right. And he got the one with Robert Plant and the bird. Right. Right? right, right that was right. his big <laughs> – that was, that was the moment, man. Yeah. Right. And you got like – there's so many in here that I've known all my life, like of Jagger, of Richards, of The Who, The Beatles, uh, even you know, later on in the book, Ronstadt and uh, the Altamont pictures, the Rock and Roll Circus pictures. But so many of them – were were pictures from my childhood, ones I've al- always known. Right, and uh, and to get the book, I was like, wow. And I've I've looked at it like three or four times, and I'm like still excited about it. So that's that's fun, and, the, and just even the cover shot. What's that? Seventy two. The the the. The plane, the Stones plane. That's what it is. Seventy two getting off the plane. They that's when they got the logo. And and the weird thing is like now tomorrow, tomorrow is the fiftieth anniversary of Altamont. And I just had a discussion with someone the other day. There, there's going to be a time where all of these guys are going to go. 
they're yeah. going to be gone. Yeah, yeah. And it's not far away. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and it's it's sort of heartbreaking. But like this book is sort of a testament to, you know, hopefully, I, I don't know how the next generation will process all this stuff, but it's certainly for me, and I'm a little younger on the boomer spectrum, you know, a very nostalgic and, and beautiful, you know, uh, archive of stuff. Well, thank you. I think it's true. I mean, the world changes, so you don't know, right? right. Well, it just gets plowed under. Yeah. Do you, you know what yeah. I mean? It, yeah. I mean, some songs will persist, but so how does it start for you? You grew up in the Bay Area? Or? I, well, born in New York, came oh. across the country, right? Did, when I was eight. Right. Oh, eight, yeah. yeah. And then grew up in San Francisco, basically, Northern California. So your folks made the move? My father made the move back, actually. He was he was from a divorced family, so I'm thinking 31, 32 in those, that era. Yeah. And so, you know, he he worked for, he worked for uh, BBDNO, and he was the original producer on the Hit Parade. You, really? Your yeah, father was? My father was, right. So you grew up in that? I grew up in that a little bit. I was so little, but I remember seeing Dorothy, whoever it was, one yeah. of them, you know, and being like six and a half right. feet what, tall. Wait, now, what exactly was the Hit Parade? It was a, a TV show? Yeah, it was. Right. So my, uh, the gag was my first words were LSMFT. Do you remember what that no, was? No, no. I'm, I'm Lucky a strike be- means fine tobacco. Oh, right. It's a little before me. It's a little before me. <laughs> there I'm, you go. I'm 56. There you go. Yeah, right. So, I, know, I know that's on the Lucky package. That's what it yeah, is. Yeah. And, and and so Lucky was the sponsor, yeah. right? And and then they saw, they sponsored sponsored the show, at mm-hmm. least one of the shows. And, right. And, and they sort of took him, but he was, you know, he was 25 and had four kids already, Second World War. Oh, my thing, God. Right. And he, the, the story is he went in to get a raise and they said, well, we, you're not worth a raise. <laughs> but wow. you can go to San Francisco. And uh, oh, so he left. And he had four kids. So he left. And with, with no plan, just four kids. No, yeah. he had his his step grandmother or his stepmother. My yeah. step grandmother was in San Francisco. Okay, all right. So, right. so what was the plan in San Francisco for the old man? What did he, he do? He went back to BBDNO. He still did it, which is uh, Batten, Barton, Durstein, and Osborne. Yeah, it's Mad Men. Okay, it's totally Mad. So it's, a, it's an ad agency. It's an ad agency. Yeah. And so that was your dad was an ad man. He was. And what was your mom? Uh, uh, a married woman. Oh, uh, yes. So right. the old days. The old days. Exactly right. So you're growing up in the Bay Area, but you're, how old are you now? I'm 73, 74. What am I? 73 or four. So you were really the age where, you know, everything that was happening around youth culture post the 50s was, you know, relevant to you. I mean, you were part of it. Well, yeah. I mean, a big part of my learning experience being involved with all these people was Elvis was everything to everybody. Yeah. Oh, really? You, you know, But everything. you never shot him. I never shot him. No. Uh-huh. I mean- he was, by the time I was shooting, he was fat Elvis, right? right. And and it was- Fat, sad Elvis. <laughs> fat, sad Elvis. Fat, sad, and, sweaty Elvis. And it, it came as a shock to me. It all came as a shock to me, but it's really true to understand any of this stuff is how much American rock and roll meant to them. To, to who? The, the, the Beatles, the, generation? the Stones, the whole- Oh, all for sure. Them, right, right, yeah. I mean, yeah. And the blues, too, for the Stones. Right. Right? Right. I mean, because it seems to me, like, you know, after talking to- you know, I talked to Buddy Guy, talk, that, that they- this a few guys here, a few weird record collectors, and the Brits who learned how to play the blues really salvaged the entire musical form in the late sixties. Yeah, yeah, true. Uh, you know that they, right. they reintroduced it to people in a different way, and it brought people around. Like if it weren't for the Stones and the you know uh, Cream and Clapton and and you know Fleetwood Mac and stuff, you know, there's a good chance that that, that the blues, the modern blues, would just have been you know derailed or were left where it was which right. was not in front of white people right esoteric and right. kind of you right. know uh, fading away right. with once r&b came in so all right so 
So what's going on in the Bay Area? What what what? When do you hit a certain age where you're like, I got to get involved with this shit? Well, I'm like every kid on the planet. I mean, that's why the story is kind of interesting, which right. is that uh, yeah, I loved early American rock and roll. Elvis was everything. I was in a boarding school when Elvis went into. How the old R- were you when he popped? When he popped on the Elvis on the Ed Sullivan on show? The- is that what you're talking about? The uh, no, no, no. He went into no, no. When I first saw him, was that? But I think uh, what I remember is the 45 RPM records of like Hound Dog and yeah, yeah. Hound Dog and Don't Be Cruel right. and all of that right. stuff, and and just loving it, and right. playing it over and over again. And my father yelling at me and all that stuff. Really? But really, standing upstairs and trying to do my hip shake like sure. Elvis, yeah, right? yeah, yeah, And yeah. I got a picture of myself with a crew cut because I had the slick hair. My dad cut it all off. It oh, was really? like the, you know what? And I'm still not real happy about that. <laughs> you, you, had, you had it greased up all I good? Had, you know, it was what I wanted. In, in the where, pompadour? Uh, yeah, yeah. And he just went south one day and had everybody get haircuts. Conservative so, guy? Uh, well, yeah. I mean, the 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 image is my parents were Bogey and Bacall. They mm-hmm. absolutely were when they were little at the 21 Club in uh-huh. New York. And then when they when they were older, my father died young, 60. But oh, really? When they were older, cigarettes? They were, George, yes, cigarettes killed everybody. Yeah. Wow. Any, anybody didn't stop, pretty much gone. Right, yeah. You know, and they became Bo- George and Barbara Bush. Oh, they did. Right? <laughs> what it is? They look just that, like them. That's you know? the trajectory? <laughs> that's the trajectory. <laughs> All right, so you're listening to Elvis and it blows your mind. Now, wait, wait I mean, you got three siblings? Uh, yeah, two gone, one still alive. Uh-huh. Right. And uh, are you the oldest or the youngest? Second. Okay. Right. So you're off at boarding school, you're listening to Elvis, and I, I guess, I see, I can't even imagine, I'm trying to think if there's any analogy to like my generation. I mean, you know, things, you know, many people, there was no big shift, no big paradigm shift in music that like woke everybody up. I mean, maybe Nirvana, but I was already in my 30s. So so I don't even know what that must have felt well, like. Well, yeah, when I was born, you know, I, I called the beginning of rock and roll the, and I can't remember the singer, uh, Good Rockin' Tonight. Yeah. Right? Elvis covered it. Yes. Right? But right, it was right. a black guy that yeah, right. first sang it was 47. Yeah, yeah. You know, nonsense to rock around the clock for me. No, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Uh, good. Uh, yeah, they're in Bill Haley Copted. Uh, there, there's a bunch of them. I just read a biography of Jerry Wexler, and yeah, it was right. all black music. Yeah, there yeah. you go. Yeah. And so, th- that's what, I mean, so rock and roll was two years old when I was born. Right. Right? So, th- I think the important part to know is there's no rock and roll. There's nothing to sort of say, how's this going to happen again? Because it was happening for the first time. Time, right. Yeah, that's true, and and the evolution made sense. The, you you yeah, know yeah. that that the the swing to the to the bop to the to the bebop to the you know the acapella groups, and then you know onward into a white interpretation of that stuff. That's right, and the country stuff too. But it goes away. Yeah, and it really does go away when Elvis goes. And then what happens, and this is becomes international. Yeah. is record companies, which had so little to do with it in the beginning, right? right? Try to reinvent it. They're constantly looking for the next Elvis. You know, I mean, oh, is that Fabian, the deal? And that's oh, what, yeah, yeah, right, that's what's yeah. going on in England, Cliff. Right. Richards. That's what when I get to England, yeah. expect coming out of Haight Ashbury to do a jump, right? Right. I'm expecting that I'm going to get into something that's bigger and more involved than Haight Ashbury, sort of as a lifestyle, which was what was really taking over. Was that already happening? What year are we talking? Sixty-eight when I got to England. So yes. Yeah, so oh, so like, you, yeah. All, yeah. All you need is love is sixty-seven. I'm driving down the Panhandle in in Golden Gate Park. Yeah, I used to live on the Panhandle. So like. You, but while you're in San Francisco and that, how old are you in, like, are you like, what, 18, 19, 67, 68? No, no, older. Uh, So that would be, so, no, you're right, 18, 19, born 45. Right. So, so what's happening, you feel the, the, like, whatever Elvis was or whatever he represented was, was already fading fast, you know, in light of 
what were the acid and the hippies and, and, and everything that was starting well, yeah, to turn. Well, yeah, I mean, Elvis and the Colonel became, you know, B-movie stars. Mm-hmm. Right? I mean, that's a, he just, he took the Colonel's advice and disappeared. I mean, the Elvis was bigger than that. It was like a weird thing when I was a kid and yeah. I went to go see Love Me Tender right. as an Elvis fan. Right. Right, and I didn't understand what, what is, who is this? <laughs> why is he doing why, this? Why is he doing it? Because I knew he was bigger than this movie <laughs> yeah, and I was 13, you know? Right, so right. it was like, it was weird, but that's what he did. And, and oh, so, so it sort of neutered be, him. Yeah, he became irrelevant, right? Interesting. So, uh, what, what happens for Americans, and it's not true that it happens for everybody, what happens for Americans is folk comes in. Right. So Baez is the first person right. that starts to talk to me that's music at all, yeah. right? Right. And then Dylan comes in and, right. and, and then Dylan goes electric and all those things happen but they're all major right right and what really happens i think uh is you find that the singer songwriter which is blues yeah right? and to a certain extent country it's too. rock but it's blues and country yeah. exactly right and and that's not really in popular music right and it comes into popular music through dylan in large measure if you're an american and then the beatles are writing their own stuff and the stones are writing their own stuff and you know then the whole trajectory is you got to get to groups yeah but then in the hate you had like you know moby great blue cheer the dead blue right cheer, my brother managed blue cheer did i know you, you go. got some out of there nowhere there are pictures of blue the, cheer there you there. go yeah because they uh, they've had sort of a resurgence there's a, a whole new vinyl uh kind of um epidemic going on right. and, and blue cheer is, is very much revered for their kind of like raw rock sensibility. God bless them. them. You know, they were really there first and they didn't get credit for nothing. Right, back then, right, yeah. But so you were there in the hate with your, was it your older brother? Yeah, my older brother was the quote manager. So right? you were in, you were kind of like running around the hate when you were a teenager. Uh, I, no, I was still in college, right? So the hate was going on, and I was in college, and the music was coming out into college. Where were you in college? University of California, Davis. Oh, and Davis. So you're kind of stranded out there in farm country. Yeah, a little and, bit. But yeah. it turns out it has a great art department. Who knows? No, it, yeah, I hear right. it's a, yeah they do, and they have a good. Uh, my uh, buddy of mine teaches. He's a, I guess, a cultural critic and poet over there now. Right. Okay. Josh Clover. It's huge now. Yeah, yeah it's a big place. Yeah. Right. But all right. So, but you're not. But you're tied into the hate. Do you go see shows when you go uh, yeah, home for A couple for of times. I was I was on a plane to England faster than than you would have thought. Right, right? after but, college. No, no, I didn't graduate. Oh. So, so there isn't really an after college. I made it to the to the end of my junior year. And are you uh, shooting in college? When do you no, get your no, first camera? Pa- Nothing? Cameras are, cameras are very late in life, right? I'm uh-huh. an English major. I never took a photography course. Uh-huh. Didn't want to be a photographer. That wasn't on my radar. Yeah. And uh, started to, look, there's a really famous book called Family of Man. You may know it, but it's a Edward Steichen, huge yeah. anniversary book. And that's the first book that really reached to me and because it was about what it says it's about, Family of Man. So uh-huh. it was that thing about... It was that thing about the um, hu- it was humanism, right? Right. which is a large part, I think, of what happens in the sort of Beatles, Stones, early stuff is in the writing. I don't know those photographs. I wish I did because I know the Ansel Adams stuff was mostly naturalism. That's correct. And, and, and so, now, so Steichen was the humanism. And I, I'm sure yeah, I know it, some it, of the, fo- he the photographs. Edited it. it was a 50th anniversary. It was a it was a huge Museum of Modern Art uh-huh. exhibit with yeah. all the major photographers. It oh, I see. I see. It's curated. It wasn't it's just curated, him. Exactly oh, okay, right. great. Right, but it was fabulous. So that was the thing that did it, huh? Well, kind of, and then the movie blow up. 
All right. Because Antonioni, was, right? Antonioni, that's correct. Yeah. Uh, and set in London. Yeah. And very stylish, and that looks great. Yeah. And, you know, if I could have played guitar, I would have been playing guitar. But you uh, didn't. Uh, but I didn't. Yeah. Um, and it's nowhere near my skill. I can't do it. I can't, you know, I can't tune a guitar. It took me the longest time to figure <laughs> right. that out. Yeah. So it just wasn't me. Yeah. And that option that sort of that photography could be related to the music in a way came out of both what was happening a little bit on album covers because that was starting to be a thing yeah right and then uh and then that movie those two things sort of made me go oh that's cool maybe i should try and do that right yeah and what was the and so you bought a camera i bought a camera uh bought a camera a nikon a couple lenses right yeah and 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 started to take pictures, but it was all part of being this sort of this explosive time, which it truly was. And then, so as being an art major and an English major, and just doing a bunch of stuff. And right? but you were tapped in. You realized the culture was changing. There was like you know chaos in the streets. Vietnam was starting. The music was shifting. Like it was really a cauldron of 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 chaos and excitement and creativity. Well, it totally was, and that's what the per period was. Now, yeah. the, the in England, you go to England and they don't have any war. They don't have any war, and apparently they didn't have great acid either. Like that, that I, what I read, where did I read that? There was like the, the scene in England in the late 60s, you know, based on what was going on in L.A., and I, that they would sort of uh, mimic it like, you know, they dress the part of the biker, but they didn't have an, an indigenous biker pro issue in England. So a lot of the Americanized sort of archetypes and tropes of the time were being were basically costumes to the British. Is it true? Spot on. Anything about England in order to understand where they're coming from is sort of this, the great George Harrison quote, which yeah. is when he was asked if he had a phonograph, he said, we didn't have sugar. Right, yeah. <laughs> right. And they're all kind of like coming out of a bombed out war that right. basically sunk the empire. Yeah, right? yeah. They're broke, they don't have any money, there's nothing going on. Right. And everything that's going on is coming out of America. Right. right? And for these guys, it's all American rock and roll. Right, right yeah. So, but the BBC is, is, hasn't changed because of that, because it's a big government bureaucracy. So yeah. the, you, there was like one DJ, a guy called John Peel, who would play a little oh, bit. Oh, yeah, the but you, Peel sessions. Yeah, you yeah. didn't hear nothing that's right. rock and roll. Um, really didn't. You know, you might get a little sort of three-minute promo that gets played on that. There was the... I never put that into perspective, because like, you know, when you get these BBC recordings of Bowie and stuff, these box sets that are coming out now, right. which are spectacular, right. uh, it's all that guy Peel, I guess. It, it was like his, it, they they didn't have, uh, you know, much outlet. Well, Bowie's later, Ready, Steady, Go is sort of, you know, Michael Lindsay Hogg, who's a very interesting man and, and has a book called... Yeah. Uh, what is it? Anyway, his father's Orson Welles. Yeah. I mean, it's just an interesting, uh -huh. real American story. Who was he? over there. He's a director. He directed Let It Be, mm -hmm. right? He directed The Rock and Roll Circus. Oh, yeah. Right? Okay. That's how I know him. Yeah. Uh, but he's got this kind of crazy and interesting past. He was directing Ready, Steady, Go, and Ready, Steady, Go was a live television program. The Stones would appear on it. Right. But it was gone by the time I got there. Huh. Right? Um, Late 60s, mid-60s. Yeah. So a lot of what influenced the, the the Brits to get involved with their own groups was sort of gone by the time I got there, which is interesting. So who was around? What, we, what was going uh, on when you got I'm there? I'm telling you, Cliff Richards. Oh, my it's God. It's so hard to imagine. But the truth of, of it was- And that's 68? Yeah. It felt like 10 years ago. Huh. It really did. It really felt like they were still trying to sign Elvis. <laughs> well, so were were the other bands like were were the Stones out on tour? Were the Beatles, what were they doing? Where were they? Were they in hiding? 
I mean, the Beatles were, of course, only about a recording. Yeah, right. They had right. Yeah, that sure. was all what that was. The Stones really weren't performing because of the problems with Brian Jones and drug busts and, and all the rest taxes, of that. Right, right, and taxes and all of that was really shutting people down. Right. All right. So, so you show up with your camera now. Did you learn how to process and print and everything? Let me see about that. Uh, process, yes. Print, kinda. Uh-huh. <laughs> and then when I got there, what I found in the great tradition of Britain was that there are people that really know how to do that. To print. And process. And process, right? yeah. So, you so just, I was like, you guys take this. You're yeah. much better at them yeah. than I am. So I knew that. That you, was about it. You're dropping the film off. Yeah, I'm dropping the film off and coming back and it looks good. Yeah. Hey, this is great. Yeah. Give me a <laughs> no. few of these. Right. Yeah, exactly right. But did, were you, uh, so, okay, so you, well, that's. That makes it easier, doesn't it? Yeah, it really does. Yeah, right. you're not you're inhaling chemicals or spending That's half right. your life in the dark room. Exactly right. All right, so w- how do you break into shooting these guys? Total. So the the stories, you know. So I want to be a writer. So if you back this up just a tiny bit, I, I wanted to be a writer, yeah. and then in, in college couldn't deal with it. Like right? what? Poetry, yeah, short but stories. I didn't know nothing. Yeah, and so I get it's it. like it's like that's it's an like English a, major. It's a stupid, we don't know anything. That's, right? that's exactly right. We know a little bit about a lot of things. Nothing, right? Nothing. <laughs> yeah. Can barely read, right? Mm-hmm. But I don't know why I think I'm going to be able to write. But that's the best I can do because something's got to come out of your mouth when it says, "What do you want to be?" Sure, right? Yeah, writer. So you show up with your notebook and your camera. Yeah, yeah. But I don't. I really can't tell you how little I do, I know. Nothing. Right? Yeah. But that's kind of what I'm thinking of doing. When I get to England, what happens is it feels good. Yeah. Right, feels like I was been there. Still feels that way. London in particular. Right? Yeah, really. Do, do you do you have a genetic connection to it? Don't know what it was. Had an English nanny that was part of my past. And yeah, because so, I feel that about Ireland, but I have no connection genetically. I know. I've to been Ireland. reading about that. Ireland's fabulous. It's the best. Yeah, really. so fucking beautiful. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's yeah, heavy-hearted yeah. and gorgeous. And yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah. you feel that in and England. It, I felt that right away. And I really the parks. So the parks had a kind of blow up connection because that's so much a blow up, right? Right. Uh, With the, that's where the murder was, right? Was, yeah, I never yeah. found that park. I looked, I walked all over England <laughs> looking for that park. It's pre Google. Yeah. Right now right. you find, oh, okay, there it is. You, right? Can you research it? Did you figure out which park it was? I never found out no, until Google. And, but now you know. No, but I've never been still. Oh, okay. Right? Well, it's time. almost enough to go back yeah. just for that. Yeah, right? well, you should get <laughs> yeah. closure. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> um, so, so I love that. But but the music wasn't there, yeah. right? So th- the photography was kind of like, you know, I had some cameras here and sometimes I'd take a walk. And one Yeah, of the- like it, it seems like the early stuff is just sort of like you doing, uh, you know, your uh, kind of Robert Frank work. Yeah, well, your, your, I wish there were more. Or the you Brisson, know? you know, yeah. that kind of thing. But I was too, well, Brisson was an influence. Frank, I, frankly, I met, fr- frankly, I met Frank on when the 72 tour. When he was shooting uh, Cocksucker Blues? I didn't know he was. Oh, really? What a pathetic statement well those uh, well, they, his was the Americans right that's was right, Robert, Americans. Yeah, it's a right. great great uh, series yeah, yeah. classic unbelievable oh, yeah. um, but Brisson you, you, yeah, you Brisson was it Brisson yeah. a, a English photographer kind of obscure called Bill Brandt was an influence sure. yeah, yeah. Uh, and and then everything black and white everything that was England so like Taste of Honey the movie remember that yeah. uh, and sort of the knack not really but kinda and Hard Day's Night of course right? yeah. all of that sort of gritty black and white America which Quadrophenia's got a lot of that in it well, you shot that right yeah I mean, but it's, now when, all those pictures from Quadrophenia you were on set you were a set photographer no, 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 no. All that that whole book I, we created. Okay. There was no movie. Oh, there wasn't a movie. It was ahead <laughs> of the movie. That's right. Yeah. So the the art sort of trajectory is at some point after I've been doing it for a while. And now I'm Beatles, Stones, and Who, and so it's kind of like, well, it can't stop now, right? Well, I mean, so but how do you get there? Like, so you're shooting around. You're shooting, you know, women you have a crush on. You're shooting people in the street. Hardly, yeah, but hardly. What I'm really trying to do is write, right? And what are you and, writing? 
bad, bad, bad little short pumps. It's horrible. Okay. <laughs> it's horrible. Right? Who are you showing those to? Uh, well, this guy comes by. So this is the story. So <laughs> yeah. a college friend comes yeah. over to uh, comes to England. A, a lot of Americans did that, yeah. right? Right. And then he says, you should meet this guy, Jonathan Cott. Jonathan Cott was, it turns out, to be a stringer on a magazine that was brand new called Rolling Stone, right? Right. But I'm not thinking about pictures. I'm not thinking about any of it anymore. And and John sees the pictures I have of Blue Cheer. That's what that's the that trigger. That you shot like hanging out with your brother? Yeah. <laughs> right. And when he leaves, he asks me if I want to photograph his next Interview and yeah. I said sure who and he goes Mick Jagger that was that was that's, those are the Rolling Stones pictures sixty eight when the, yes, in right. the, rug, that's in my the first, rugby shirt my first session the rugby shirt that's correct you I know. remember those pictures yeah yeah and it was like and 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 I really thought I don't know what else to say except you have to believe me this was so unlikely that I never expected it to happen again right so you go and you show up so he's interviewing Mick I guess yeah. it was so what was that the first Rolling Stone interview that's correct. And and you're just a fly in the wall kind of deal. He did, you know, the guy's talking. Go, this is uh, yeah, is Ethan. Yeah. He's going to be doing the yeah. thing. Yeah, and and fly in the wall was everything that makes sense to me. Yeah, right. So the the thing when I had to finally think, I got to explain how I take pictures at yeah. some point. Somebody's going to ask me, right. right? And it happened for me as a vision, which was of myself as a young guy, and I wish I knew if I had slick back hair because it'd be better if I right, did, yeah. right? Um, and I'm hunting. My grandmother's got a big ranch in Carmel Valley, right? Yeah. And she wants me to shoot Blue Jays for some obscure reason, and that seems fine to me. We had a little gun, a little tiny twenty two. Yeah. And so it's this part I think is easy to imagine. Imagine that that's what you're doing, right? So how can you do that? You got to come, you got to go to where they are. Right. <laughs> you got to be real quiet. Yeah. Right? You got to, and you got to stand really still. Yeah. And then if they show up, you got to do like you got one or two seconds, and you got to get it, and that's what you do. <laughs> and that's how I took pictures. Right. Totally. That's yeah. the thing that did it. And I could frame. Those were the two pieces. Framing's an, an, an innate thing. Framing is a gimme, like being yeah. able to tune a guitar. I yeah. swear, you know. Sure. It's a gimme, right? Yeah. And and but it always mattered to me, and I was no, always, it's great. You know, and yeah. I was always good at. But it's it. like, yeah, either you have it or you don't. That's right. Yeah. Right. So, well, why would they? Why you have to? Why you want the Blue Jays dead? I mean, I've heard that before. I can't remember. They're predatory. They eat. Yeah, well, something. they're sort of they're nasty, don't, but they, she don't was, they fuck up something. Well, what? yeah, she's a big horticulturist. That's what she cared oh, about. Right, yeah. And they would drop shit on plants that she was trying to grow, and you know, it seems oh. a little extreme, frankly. <laughs> <laughs> In retrospect, but at the time, I didn't even think about it. So, uh, yeah, you heartless bastard. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> I said it. I was in Toronto, and they were like, what, Blue Jays, the baseball team? <laughs> yeah, he's out killing athletes. <laughs> yeah, there you go. So, okay, so you shoot Mick, and you thought that was a one-off? I totally did. You, now, did you but have, I thought I was cool. You got to understand. You were definitely right. cool. I mean, but so did you have, so you had no real interaction, but you heard everything, right? Did you have an interaction with No, Mick no, or? no, hello. I mean, yeah, and that's, that's sort of the way I felt about it. I never made any sense to me why would they want an interaction with me, and where would it be my place to want an interaction with them? It took years. Yeah, I mean, well, that, yeah. I mean, I guess that's the question of the right. photographer, and also, I mean, until you're doing... I, I guess uh, actual photo shoots, which right. even then it's limited, but there has to be some sort of relationship between you and them or them and the camera that you're holding. Once the camera goes on a tripod, right, yeah. you got to bring them to the camera, uh -huh. right? That's and, the way and, that goes. And then that becomes more directorial. Right. Uh, and, and, there are certain people really good at it. I always found it incredibly sort of nervous-inducing because so much pressure's on you. Right? <laughs> yeah. uh, but the 
But the, you know, they're great at it, like Avedon. I mean, they were just brilliant, and they they can create that. I don't know how he did, but you know, I you know he did some. I don't know, like that the like uh, American West book. You know, oh, it's unbelievable. I, but what do you have a truck or something? No, no yeah, he did. I, there was a, one of the few books I know that's yeah. a book about the making of a photograph. Right, very few. Yeah, right? and he shot that. It was a commission. American West. Yes. Yeah. And I, and, you know, Dallas Museum or something like yeah. that, right? Yeah. He shot 8x10, 8x10 film camera, and he did it in open shade. So there's pictures of him shooting. So the negatives are 8x10? Then they, he shot nothing but 8x10. That's huge yeah, camera. Huge. Yeah. Like, you know, that's a real Ansel Adams camera. Yeah, yeah. So, so to use that as, as your tool for that kind of photography is a big deal. So, but how do you do the white background? Took the white background with him. That's crazy. Yeah. What a book that is. Yeah. It's Every, a, my favorite. Really. Oh, yeah. I mean, when you look at it, it's just like every one of the people, yeah. it's like a, yeah. a history of brutality yeah. and sadness yeah. and hard life. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of interesting, like Arbus like in a funny way. And no, it definitely is. There's right. definitely, uh, uh, it, but you know, it, unlike Arbus, he, he sort of lets the subject, you know, whatever his magic is in capturing it in, in, in the sort of you know, sparing way that he did. It, it, it's all about whatever is happening in that person. Whereas, you know, you felt that Arbus was actually yeah. in the life of the person. Yeah, I mean, she had an she had an agenda. Yeah, yeah, I guess <laughs> yeah, so. I don't yeah. think he had an agenda. So, but you're doing, so you do the Mick Jagger shoot and you're like, that was amazing. You get paid? Yeah, may, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> but so how did, and then what happens? is, is And then uh, I'm going back to my, so at that point I was working, because uh, I was in England, I was lucky to be there. Yeah. Uh, and I was working with, in a hospital with autistic children, which is something that mattered to me. Yeah. Right? And I felt was great, right? What were you doing with them? I had a child that I in particular looked after. Oh, okay. Right? So it was, I, I, it was really like that. I had, first of all, read about autism in Life You magazine. wanted to do something good. I wanted, yeah, I felt like that was appropriate. Yeah. I was lucky guy yeah. and I didn't want to sit around and not write and not write right. you know or write badly or whatever it was you want to give doing. back a little bit you know yeah. I wanted to give back a little bit and so I was doing that when this came up and I went back to doing that you know uh-huh. and and like three months later John Cott same guy calls yeah. me again and says do you want to shoot my next interview yeah and I said who is it and he said John Lennon <laughs> so <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know, more luck than any human should be allowed to have and those were my first two and by then I'm going well that you know and 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 I think the fact that I was an American really, really helped me. Right? Yeah, why? Because they liked Americans, right? right? And sure. also, culturally, you can't spot people that are outside of your culture right. as easily as you can your own, right? Yeah. So I was A, American, B, kind of connected with Rolling Stone, C, and took a different kind of picture, honestly. Yeah. The kind of picture where you, you're not bothering them and you're not getting them to stand up, where you're really taking a picture of their world, right? right? And then showing it back to them. I think that had a huge, I know it had a lot to do with Let It Be, because uh-huh. that's exactly what happened. I had, I sort of, long story, but I had like three days at the end of the day after Neil Aspinall jerked me around. And Neil who? Neil Aspinall, who's the head of Apple yeah. Records and had been with them since driving vans. Yeah, right. right. Uh, and, and after Brian Epstein, died a big part of their story yeah uh, he had took that chair yeah right and so i asked him <laughs> i t- he called me he yeah. called me because i had pictures of john right right so from that from the rolling stone interview exactly yeah and and some or maybe just those because I, I don't know if i had the john and yoko stuff yet and and i went in to see him and as he's looking at them i also had the rock and roll uh, circus pictures. You already shot those of Mick and Taj and Eric. Yeah, all and that, all like that. 
two weeks before. So, so that, so the rock and roll circus on set stuff. You know who pulled you in for that? Um, Your buddy, the yeah. Orson now I Wells knew everybody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Michael was one, and yeah. I also knew I was friends with uh, then known as Joe Bergman, who was running the Stones office. Right? Yeah, I became friends with the people that were around them. A lot of them were Americans. Yeah, right. And so it was just kind of natural and easy. It was very small world. That, but that rock and roll circus thing—it's really even hard to find. You know the footage of that stuff. What was the idea of that show? I mean, how many were there? Though, so how many shows? Well, it wasn't a real show. It was shot for television. Right. That's what I mean. Right, so but there, there was only a couple of them. Was it one episode or the Rock and Roll Circus? Or was well, it, it was a for, series? It was, you know, it's channeling Ed Sullivan is what it was. Yeah. Right. Uh, and it was because they couldn't tour. Yeah. Right? They couldn't go outside. They had to do something. So right? it was a Rolling Stones produced event? Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. And, it, and, and so it was filmed. I think just to get something out there because yeah. they couldn't tour and they couldn't do anything and it it's a if you really delve into it it's interesting because it's very much you know Jagger's an entertainer which you didn't necessarily know then yeah. right right he was Mick Jagger right. right and he was also flirting around with Mick Jagger and the devil and all that nonsense yeah. bad guy all the yeah. rest of that but really the core being in or at least part of it is the entertainer right yeah. so he knows what entertainment is they had this problem uh, and they decided to do this show. Oh, that's yeah. what that was all just about. invite people and do some you know no, and and not and without much money because they didn't have hardly any money really. right uh, and and so that's what it was huh. and it would there's a really interesting part about it which I think is talks a lot to something which yeah. is that those images today look pathetic right I think it's do a, they well, kind of I guess it depends how much you love those people yeah you love them but the thing that's really interesting is all the music was live right well no but I mean like right. I like I I don't think they look like did you? Isn't there one with like Keith and an eye patch? I didn't. I didn't. I, I, <laughs> I didn't. I didn't mean. I didn't see it in, in this book, but I remember seeing one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. like you know, and and you, you, there's this whole circus environment, but you see Eric Clapton and Taj Mahal and all these people there. When I look at it, I still sort of like that must have been great. That was just, great. That was. <laughs> I, great. I never think like this is ridiculous. No, like, it's more the it's more the it, but as a visual person. Oh yeah. Right, and as a filmmaker, which I wasn't really yet. Right. But, you know. Sure. The 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 expectations. There's not about the it's not about that yeah that's kind of a th almost a throwaway right Rolling Stones Rock and Roll Circus okay well what do you get when you say that yeah you get a you know you get a clown juggler and a knife thrower right yeah yeah you know and so they did all that stuff but really it was a way to just package and showcase those people which they did yeah so Okay, so I just I know it's a sidebar, but we're moving towards the the Let It Be shoot. But like how so you you show up with this guy uh, the guy at Apple, and what he gives you the runaround. <laughs> he so I I sort of think you know I show him the because I'm not an idiot right yeah. I figure I'm going into Apple I'll take these pictures right oh, John yeah it, uh, John my, and and the Rock and Roll Circus yeah right and those guys are constantly looking over the shoulder at each other what are they doing what are they doing the what Stones and the Beatles yeah yeah, right. yeah so so I show it I don't know what's going on with it and I ask him though because it's I have no business doing any of this that's yeah. very clear to me right <laughs> you should be writing poems <laughs> yeah I should be writing poems right? <laughs> bad poems whatever there you go they were short anyway so. <laughs> so, um, glad so you, I'm glad you didn't put any in the book. <laughs> you know, thank God. I, if I could find anything, this I'd burn them. So, um, uh, so I said, I thought I'd just ask. Yeah. You know, I'll just ask. And so I said, can I go down? And, you know, I want to shoot the Beatles. Can I do that? Yeah. Right? And he said, absolutely not. 
You know, yeah. and which really I thought that's the most sensible thing that's been said to me. That made sense to me. Uh, yeah. But I knew everybody, so yeah. I knew where they were. Yeah. So I got in the car and I just drove down. To where the, the roof? To Twickenham Soundstage is yeah. where they started. You yeah. know? So if you remember the movie at all, it's being recut by uh, Peter Jackson. You know that? No, I didn't know that. Oh, yeah. I, don't, I didn't see them. I, I mean, was it a full length movie? Yeah, it was, but it was kind of got buried. It was a documentary. Yeah. You know, the I've seen. Parts of it, but I don't know that I've seen the whole thing. I Maybe it, when I was in high school, they it was around. I think it was kind of buried, yeah, because it came out and was a lot was going on when it was released. Because Alan Klein had just come in, yeah. right? Uh, that that album, which was you know done before Abbey Road, took forever to come around, and it was just all of that. And then, and then, well, Phil Spector came in, and and, yeah, and that's all Alan Klein. And, yeah. and you know, uh, whatever you feel about Paul McCartney, you got to. Go, it's like what. Yeah. You know, uh, you're bringing in um, what? <laughs> well, then they release, but you know, it's weird. Even with Spectre, it's, it's something that, and I'm sure this is all within the lore. But you know, they 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 certainly neutered Spectre a great deal. You don't listen to that record and feel you don't feel Spectre's presence really. Yeah, a little bit, not much. Yeah. But it's it's a little bit of Starfucker, really. Honestly, I you guess know, so. Klein's bringing in the big American producer. Yeah, but uh, let it be. Glenn Johns was the engineer slash sort of producer in the sense that yeah. he was behind the keyboards and there was nobody else there talking about that. George Martin was hardly ever around. Never For that album? Him. Yeah, never saw him. Yeah. And so it was a real aberration start it, to finish. It sounds different. Yeah. It sounds different than Everything about it's different. I mean, so put your brain around the fact that this is the biggest act in the world. I don't know who's that big today, if yeah. anybody, but you know, and somebody comes up with an idea that they'll show up on a sound stage in January uh -huh. and make a record. Yeah. So you go down there. I go down there, and I'm sort of sitting in a corner with, you know, and it's also seeing- And you get in because you know guys, and you shot like, John. No, and you... Nobody's at the door saying you can't come in. <laughs> it's a different time, man. And so I just sort of sneak in, yeah. and I'm standing in sort of the back of this big soundstage, and I'm watching them, and they're small at the yeah. end, and, you know, they look like the Beatles because there's a riser for the drums and right. all the rest of that. Yeah. And, and then I look over, and it's Neil. Yeah. <laughs> and he's looking at me, and I think, oh, fuck. You know, yeah, now busted. Now what? Yeah. And he walks up to me and says, we've decided to let you come down. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's good. That was diplomatic for him to say that. You're already in. Yeah, it's almost, it's, yeah. it's you know, East End. Right. You know. But, and then he only would give me, he said, for one day. And I said, right. not for one day, three days. Yeah. Why? Because I may not get anything in one day. Right. And then when I took those pictures into Apple records uh the ones in the studio the ones in the film studio right right and they were beautiful tony richmond who was the lighting cameraman yeah. had these big pools of light and they yeah were pretty yeah right? and and i went up in the rafters and i did all this and 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 i was showing them and and it was only supposed to be Derek taylor who was the press officer and then everybody showed up paul was there linda was there john was there yoko was there billy preston was there everybody was there was and this they, before linda was shooting yeah, Linda sort of was, we were going to, there was a thing called the Get Back book, the, yeah. which is 140 pages, came out with the album on every country except America, uh -huh. right? And they were all my pictures. Oh, right? yeah. And Linda was supposed to be part of it and then dropped out. Oh, because I, like, the pictures that you have in your book, and, and like, I remember looking at them obsessively. I mean, there are the, you shot the cover of the record. Right. right, yeah, and the, but I, I, and and all the rooftop shots, yes, right. Yeah. But I remember seeing some of those studio pictures. I don't know where, but I remember looking at them intensely. Did they come with the record? Were they inside the the, the record in America was a double, it was a gatefold. And yeah, the, and oh, the, oh, they were that in there. American parlance, right? Oh yeah, okay, yeah. okay. But, okay. But the book, which is really pretty great, get back. 
the Get Back book, yeah. uh, maybe called Let It Be, was 120 pages, all my pictures. I must have seen that. Yeah. Uh, so now, but at that point, do you start... When you're shooting for three days and you're obviously you know right there with them, do you do you, do you start to build a relationship with the Beatles? No, I would not, I never would have. Well, so first of all, you have to realize they're being filmed. Yeah. Okay, they're being filmed and they're making a record. Right. More to the point, though, is I, why would I? Why would I? Why why would they talk to me? John always did. <laughs> I was always like friends with John, partly because that's how we met. Yeah. Partly, I really believe now because I took really good pictures of his girlfriend. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I think of Yoko. Was, yeah, of Yoko. Yeah. I didn't know who she was, and uh, and it was early and on. He and he liked him. And he, bam! I showed up and. Took him out of my hands, and put him on the wall. Yeah, like bam. Yeah, right? here you, you go. Uh, and so, and and we got on, and we really did. I was friends. Nice with guy. Him. Yeah, I thought he was fabulous. So, all right. So now, was it a heavy day shooting the Beatles last session? They knew they were done. Well, I, I, how how entirely did they know that they were done? You know, they yeah. were done. <laughs> they were done. Right, but I don't think anybody was quite saying it yet. Um, so I don't, it hadn't been announced yet. But did uh, you feel a vibe? Oh, it was terrible. It was? Right. Well, it was also, um, it was supposed to be, the, initially it was going to be a session in a photo studio. So yeah. I had spent the week before thinking about that. Yeah. And then the night before I got, don't do that, come to John. So I got no ideas, right? Yeah. And I didn't really do photo sessions. Right. You know, yeah. you put your finger right on it. That's a really, I think it's a really abstract. What's a photo session? Right. You know, and that's what people still do. Yeah, say. sure. So they do them somebody, now, yeah. so, somebody, what's, what is it to they have usually your take you into an environment yeah. that you're not comfortable with. Sometimes there's clothes involved. Yeah. And some, you know, then the photographer's doing everything to get you to to kind of have a dynamic with him and the camera if he's not feeling it. They'll put music on. It's crazy. Yeah, no, it's it's very, very false. Yeah. You know. Right. And and so therefore it's not well, it's not my cup of meat. And also now it's just, there's they had a second photographer from the Daily Mail yeah. come. That was Neil's idea, which was fine with me. And and but uh, now I'm supposed to be telling what to do. I don't tell people what to do. Yeah. Right. I mean, Townsend used to rip me a new one all over the place. Say, right. Tell us what to do. Tell us what to do. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it really made him angry. And it's interesting that sometimes when you don't tell people what to do, you get in, you get something that that they bring to the table because they they're don't frustrated. Know what, out of frustration. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. So you get stuff you wouldn't otherwise get. You know. But the vibe on on that day you, it was horrible. You, what like in what way? Well. I think that if you took, I don't know what. Because I love that picture. I I love that record. I know it's a, a you know bits and pieces of a lot of different things. The Hey Jude right. record, but right. like it was one of the first Beatles records. You know that one, Let It Be, in the second album for some reason, the ones I had when I was a kid. And I love Let It Be. I love uh, Hey Jude. I love that record. Right. I don't think of that when I think of that session. I don't think of that picture. Right. Right. I think of the black and white pictures that are in the book. Uh huh. Right. Yeah. Uh, because that's what they were doing. I mean, I shot very little color. Right. Right. Uh, and they didn't have anything else, so that's what they used. Yeah. Right. Uh, and, but uh, of the black and white, which is, uh, let's say I shot eight rolls. Yeah. Or 10 rolls, something yeah. like that. I don't think George changed his expression the whole day. Sad. He's pissed off. Yeah. Right? right. Over. Everything about him says over. Right. Just everything. Uh, Do McCart you know why? I think it was over. <laughs> they were you just uh, going different directions. Yeah. I just think that there wasn't yeah. anything there anymore. I, I'm speculating, but I think the big deal was that Brian, that Brian Epstein was gone. And, you know, Brian was the one that said, you get up and you go here mm. and do what you're supposed to do. And then we'll tell you where to go next. And while that was shifting, obviously, it was still, I think, fundamentally the case. And when he's gone, nobody can do that. That brain tumor? 
I don't know. I think I don't know why. I don't know the exact answer. I think it was sort Direct. of you know what's what's the fancy word for downer? <laughs> you uh, know, oh, yeah. You know, I think it was a downer and alcohol is what I think, uh-huh. right? Um, yeah. And and then so Paul kind of it's his nature. Paul kind of leapt into that. Yeah. And, and I I. You have you have siblings, yeah. So you know your siblings got a great idea for you, right? Right. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And yeah. he really means it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And it's like I don't care what what you have for me. You're, yeah. And it just yeah. seemed like there was something kind of ripping at you know outside of Ringo that you know the 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 sort of creative uh, uh, ambitions of each of them was very different. And it, you know, and I guess the the the, scene, the 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 what was holding them together was breaking. I think that's. I think they were done. I think Yoko is. Yoko certainly didn't break them up. I mean, no, I think no, that's no. Been that's very clear about that. You you, fi- you kind of feel that in the documentary. I think uh, I did a thing. So I have the pictures in the book that you of John and Yoko falling in love, and I, they're some of my favorite pictures. They're just so intimate and lovely, and you know, you really feel it. You know, yeah, you feel yeah. his love for her, yeah. and you can really see it. Yeah, and you can see a real tenderness coming from her. It's sweet. It right? seemed like she really opened him up. Yeah, she. It was different. So I did a, not you know, a couple of years ago, I did a Valentine's Day show. Yeah. Where those pictures were the core of it. Yeah. And what and what in order to try and make something of an evening about it, I did a little research, right? And what you realize is that both of them are war babies. Her even more than him. Uh, yeah, big time. Big like, time. Like you right. know, she, they, they her family was a wealthy family in Japan that had you know kind of. Lost everything, I think. Lost everything, yeah. had to take the suitcase and walk out of town. Yeah. Right? And right. so they shared that, you know, and she, I think, had it as a as a motivator more than him uh-huh. because I think it was bigger for her and uh-huh. she was older when it happened. And and so she was always sort of, that was present for her and she, I think, imagine doesn't happen if he doesn't marry Yoko. Oh, no, definitely not. Right. It, it right. seems like a lot of her sort of creative sensibility, the simplicity of it and the poetry of it and the, the weird kind of you know, artistic courage of it right. really had an impact on him. Totally. Like the, you know, the language of the songs, I think, is Yoko. That's right. Okay, so once right. you you do the that cover, like you know, now you're a guy that does sessions. So how does like you know you know how to <laughs> the the who's next cover? I I want to talk about the who's next cover. So like, <laughs> what whose idea was that? You can't have that idea. What it wasn't an idea? No, of course not. <laughs> right? like, so you, it was something. How did you get out to that place? Where the fuck was that shot? That was shot uh, Eastlington College. I have no idea. And you got I, hired to do that. Yeah, I was hired because by that point, so right after, just quickly, right yeah. after Let It Be becomes the Rolling Stones' 69 tour. That's really what happens next. And then uh, Who's Next is like 71. So the 69 tour, okay, is that where you shot, when did you shoot Brian, right before that? Right before, Brian died in, in the summer 60, of 69. Uh, 69? Right three days before, I mean like July 1st or something, three days before the concert in the park. And oh right, because they, they have to eulogize him, and that's it's like right. you know, he's right. still fucking warm almost. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know, Mick's wearing that weird dress shirt. That to me, that tells you so much. If you're in your English, who putting on costume stuff? Yeah. you know, they got the Hell's Angels, the fake Hell's Angels yeah. down below. Yeah. Right? <laughs> they got Jagger wearing an Edwardian smock. Yeah, they've got these moths that they're pretending are butterflies. Right. right? They got a black man with makeup on him wearing it like reeds, that's yeah. carrying a spear that's running across. It is. It's uh, it's culturally psychotic. It's and just, you shot all that. I shot some of it. That you know, somebody tried to spike Jagger for that concert. Yeah, uh, 
What do you and mean, I was spike there. them? Give them low oh, really? brownies, oh, yeah, right? Yeah. And it never even occurred to me that they'd be spiked, right? Yeah. So I, I said, sure, I'll have them. <laughs> so you were out of commission? <laughs> I'm just like, well, first of all, they put me up on there. You can't move. <laughs> yeah. I did not do a good job. Right. No. <laughs> so, but like, what? How was? How did that Brian Jones uh, shoot come about? Because I knew those pictures as well. Well, Brian was just like, uh, it was the end of a series of individuals. This is when I really got to know the songs a little bit because I shot them all individually for this magazine that went bust before in 67 six, no 68, 68. or 69 yeah. so that's 69 with brian yeah and um so i go down to his house he bought a.a a. milne's house it's so sort of sad and charming the one the pooh guy yeah uh-huh yeah i mean he, the pictures in there he's choking christopher robin yeah. which since he looked just like christopher yeah, robin yeah. right you know um so it was. I he showed up and he did all that. He went upstairs. He, he I was just taking pictures of him. Was he wasted? He was wasted, hung over, wasted. Probably. Oh, you know, yeah. there's a close up not in the book of him, and he looks 46. Yeah, I didn't see it. You know, yeah. I'm thinking this is really bitching. Yeah, <laughs> you know, right. You know, look at this. Look what he's doing. This yeah. is so cool. With the flag and the gun. Oh my god. Shirt. Yeah. Uh, Rolling Stones stuff. I mean, sort of. If, if Honky Tonk Woman is like that, you know, Rolling Stones sort of. One of my favorite things is the 45 cover where they're dressed up like you know wax and waves. And yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah. know, I mean, I love you, that. You didn't stuff. shoot that, though, no. did you? Uh-uh. I, yeah, yeah. I should know, but I don't. The Honky Tonk Women. They're like, there's a sailor. And, you yeah, know, yeah, 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 yeah. It's yeah, the same that, idea, but that's later, right? It's later. That's yeah. correct. And uh, but it's me trying to live up to my predecessors. Sure. Right? And, so, uh, so Brian was nice guy. I found him nice, but if you uh, if you spend because you know much older now, I've read about some of this stuff. You know, he was nice to me. Is yeah, the way it was. But uh, he was pretty crazed and and a mess. The picture where he looks forty six, you can tell that his liver is shot because his belly's <sighs> all out. Yeah. So and there wasn't nobody was knew about that yeah right it wasn't like later, how, how you know wasted he was nobody knew, knew that he was on his way out oh in my opinion yeah right because people weren't on their way out yet he yeah. was the first right yeah of that crowd yeah right and then all of a sudden they're all gone yeah right uh and all for the same reason more or less right so yeah. um but i didn't know that it didn't occur to me at all and, and that was sort of the last pictures they were the last pictures to my knowledge yeah so then you do the 69 tour with yeah. the Stones? Same thing. So you can tell how my business plan yeah. was mapped out. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so I hear the Stones are uh, in L.A., so I just drive down. I'm in San Francisco. I just get down, and yeah. I walk into the house. They've got two houses. It's a totally big deal of the whole thing. they got to do this tour. You know, they got Mick Taylor with them, so they can tour for the first time. It's not successful, no mas Rolling Stones, you know. Well, they, there was a conscious effort that Mick was going to align himself with the new psychedelic generation, you know, in order to, to sort of, you know, get the Stones up to speed culturally in America. So they were going to have their Woodstock, and they aligned themselves with the dead and their people. Everything just kind of broke apart. There was all these weirdos, you know, traveling with the Stones, and they, they didn't even know who they I were. I was one of them. <laughs> but, right. like, apparently there were guys on the payroll, they were like, what is that guy doing? Who's the guy with the cars? Like, who's the guy showing up with the limos? Like, there was... Oh, well, he was something. <laughs> so I did that whole tour with them. I wasn't just at Altamont. I did the... I was... There were 16 people on the 69 tour. But, but was Altamont the last date? Last gig. Yeah. Okay, well... Added... Right, but the the original intention was to do a, a like a big festival type of show. Oh yeah, there's no question about it. And and right. then like everything fell apart, and they found that fucking horrible speedway in the middle of nowhere. Right. right? So they had. Um, I'm telling you the story. I know the story. Well, I wrote a book on it. Uh, you so, did? Yeah. 
it's all from the inside, if you will, because I was with the Stones, right? Talking about writing, yeah, <laughs> I finally wrote, yeah, right. I've written four books now, I think three books, something like that, and and that book took six years, and I and I let I it had, bleed. It's called yeah. I, I'll I get, get I'll it. Get it to When'd you write that? I wrote it. Took uh, I think it came out in two thousand five. Oh yeah, right. Yeah, and uh, the tour was amazing. But they, you're right about this. From the minute Jagger got off the plane yeah. and Richards, all of them, it was like you're going to do a free concert because Woodstock was everybody's. Yeah. It was the template, right? right? And right. Are you guys going to do it? And so they didn't say they were going to do it. Although they had, they had the. Um, North of San Francisco, the Speedway, not Altamont, the other one, uh, and they lost that at last minute. So yeah. that what you see in in the Maisel's movie is just is three days before the concert, yeah. they're announcing the guy from you know Dick Carter shows up. Yeah. I'm told later. I didn't know this because it sounds so perfect. He was taking a marketing course at Stanford. He was an old guy. Yeah. By those standards, those days, and some kids said, "You know, the Rolling Stones are looking for a place." So, marketing guy, at, of course, at Stanford, he shows up at Mel Bellow's office and says, "I got the place." You know, nothing was organized, right? But the, I think the mindset matters, and the mindset of the '60s was, "We're just going to do it," right? And it's going to be better than the last time because everything was, right? right. So they they thought they bring it off. It was, it was horrible. Yeah, but I mean, like it just seemed. Now, was the '69 tour? Uh, was that where you took that? Like the fucking. The 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 it was seminal the right word the patience please a drug for your America comes first shot no, of Keith seventy two that was seventy two yeah, yeah. now you posed him for that I did and I <laughs> seldom post them and and I thought but it was uh, there it was right in front of you me. Gotta do I do <laughs> <laughs> all right so wait let's go back to Altamont because part of this is we're kind of putting this up the day before the fiftieth anniversary so right. so what what I gleaned from the book. Was that because you were there, right? You were be, you were backstage, whatever that meant. There was no stage to well, be back of. It was like three feet off the ground. And there well, was it was no the fucking... same stage that had been the tour, the whole tour. That had been the height of that. So you're getting this book for sure. The height of that stage was the same for the whole tour. You can see pictures from Oakland. You can see pictures all over the place. Yeah. And people are on the stage like this. Just like with their elbows on the stage. Uh -huh. So there's no moat. There's, there's no, no nothing. Uh -huh. No, and 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 from what I understand, the angels were there just for for show and for free beer and for a party. But there was infighting with the the angels to a degree because they had different clubs were up there, and there were some younger recruits trying to make their bones. And I be think that's completely right. My main source for a lot of that is is Sam Cutler, yeah, who was right there. I mean, Sam went to work for the for the dead afterwards. Worked for him for quite a long time, right? But the dead, like by the time the thing went down, they they, they had kind of pulled away from it, uh, right? Cutler's quote is the greatest act of moral cowardice. <laughs> was was yeah, the dead? Yeah, so yeah, they just decided they were. They heard that you can see it in the in the uh, the movie Maisel's movies. Yeah. They're basically they're up on the. They're if I if I read it right, I think they're up where the helicopters yeah, are landing, which right. is a racetrack above and like where it bad was. Vibes and somebody said they knocked Marty Ballin out on stage. I mean, there's the moment. You know, that's where the philosopher kings. That's where all of that hierarchy, which had been established in the last five years, was just knocked on its ass. You know, they 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 knocked out a singer, a songwriter. The, the angels before. did. They did on stage, right now. Yeah, I, I got the same read you do, which is that, you know, the whole Hells Angels in the park 
Yeah. There's lots of depth to this stuff. Yeah. There's, uh, the whole Hell's Angels in the park was really coming out of Ken Kesey and out of that La Honda movement that moved into Golden Gate Park. It was, it was true for the BN and early on. It was what it was. And they kind of did that. They kind of wandered around. The Angels did. Yeah. And yeah. the thing was is that Jagger's looking from across the way. So they were integrated into you know the this counterculture is, as sort yeah. of like um, – you know, the, the, a darker element, but they were they they helped define yeah, yeah, we're, it. We're all freaks together, man. Right, and 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 Hunter's book, uh, you know, talks a lot of. I think that some of that takes place up at Kesey's place. Yeah, that's right. That's just down the coast. I mean, you know, thirty five miles south or something. Right, right. And he was sort of embracing the Angels, the original crew. That's right. I mean, yeah. that was. I think that that was part of the opening up, which happened. And then you know, when you're smoking this. Uh, when you're smoking dope and you're dropping acid, yeah. you're an outlaw. Yeah, right. So everybody got to be on the outlaw side of the fence. Right, right? but but the, I guess the real issue, what, what sort of um, came to a head at Altamont is that, you, you know, the, the Hells Angels were, were real outlaws. They weren't just druggies. They were moving shit and no, no, dropping no, dudes. Yeah, they and, were, and they were from all over the state. Yeah. So, and you got, and I think this is, you know, there's Hells Angels and there's Mick Jagger, and they're both paying homage to the devil, but one's in show business. Yeah. And he's English. And the other one's actually working for the devil. Yeah, and, and, <laughs> and they're really, and I interviewed Bill Wyman from that book when I was doing it, and yeah. Bill was like, I don't know what happened. You know, the, he says only the, the Rolling Stones had n only been scared twice, maybe. Well, they, like, from what, you were there, so tell me, I mean, like, because even in those pictures, and you can see in the movie, and the thing about the movie that I didn't realize is that initially the Maisel brothers were were going to create, they wanted to shoot a tour in a, a sort of like a celebration of the Stones way, that the original intent was, we're going to capture this great rock band doing a great tour, and then it became this fucking thing. Well, they didn't do the whole tour, for starters. They showed up at the end of the tour, maybe a week before the end, and I think the idea was at that point to get some B-roll, if you will, but right. that they were really going to shoot, they'd have a live concert. So they shot Madison Square Garden twice, right? Right. And then this got added. So the Jagger announced this on the 26th of yeah. my birthday, so I remember Jagger announced it on the 26th of November at Rockefeller, you know, yeah. Rainbow Room. Right. And uh, and that's when it kind of the word got out. Right? So when you get there, I mean, do you realize that, the, the, that like, hey, there's no fucking medical tent, there's no bathrooms? Well, I got no there, so everybody, with the exception of Keith, who I think spent the night out there, right? Uh, everybody came in by helicopter. What do you mean he spent the night out there? In a trailer? He went no, I think God knows. They, they, everybody, Stanley Booth's book's the best book on, on this. Stanley what? Stanley Booth. Okay. He was on the whole tour. Yeah. Right? Uh, and he his book is very, sort of modeled on Moby Dick, sort of, you know, it, it, truly, it's sort of like okay. the alternate chapters like Grapes of Wrath. Okay. Right? Yeah. Uh, Dance with the Devil. Okay. Okay. It's not the Altamont story, but it's a very it's a it's a totally deep story, uh, and it has a lot to do About with the Brian. Tour? Well, no, and Brian died. Okay. All right. He comes over to England, and and he's really involved with Brian. He's from Memphis. He's yeah. got a lot of chops. Right? Yeah. So some of this I know because he was with him. Right. Right. And so, Jagger was with him. Jagger and Keith were at Altamont the night before. Okay. Keith decides to stay. Yeah. Jagger says, "I would stay, but I got to sing." Yeah. Right. So he goes back to the hotel. Uh, but at that point, and everybody that you talk to will tell you that the scene was really mellow, you know. Where at so, the beginning? At the, the night before. Oh. And that, and that the expectation. Wait, 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 when they were building the stage and oh, shit? Oh, no, people were already showing up. Oh. Oh, really? Oh, sure. Yeah. The people on, Camping know, out and campfires shit. Campfires and yeah, shit yeah. like that, yeah. you know. Uh, and, and so the, 
the expectation, which was my expectation too, my expectation was Woodstock West. It just was. Yeah, Americans, it's going to be groovy. It's going to be great. Yeah, right. And I didn't really took me a you know, it was it's a shitty spot. <laughs> yeah, you know, no control. Pictures in my the book you'll, you'll see the helicopters landing. There are people walking across where the helicopters and dogs right. are there. Yeah. There's nothing. <laughs> It's nothing. No security. Right. Everybody was scrambling with the expectation you'd bring it off. Right. Right. Yeah. And you don't give up. Right. You, know? you yeah. just do it. So, um, but it took me a while to just, the vibe was weird. It, there wasn't a tree in sight. It was great. I grew up in San Francisco. I never heard of Altamont. Yeah. Right? It looked like a fucking nuclear oh, wasteland. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And, and so I go back to the tent. That's all there is, is this tent behind the stage. And- you know, there's real Hell's Angels. I'm a Californian. <laughs> I know yeah. what a Hell's Angel looks like, yeah. you know. I mean, like I said, when Bill, I was interviewing Bill, he was like, well, I don't understand. They were fine in London. Uh, and, you know, they were 14. <laughs> Some of them were wearing wigs. It was a costume know? party. It was a costume party. So it's that divide, which you nailed earlier, is so behind all this. Yeah, right. right. Um, and so... When I got there, I, there were real Hell's Angels in there. I took a picture. I had flash. I hardly ever used flash. Yeah. But you could, there was no light, right? And so, and somebody, I took flash and then three Hell's Angels look at me like that. And I thought, I'm done. Right. And, and I can really sympathize with what I think is essentially what their feeling is, which is, hey, man, <laughs> you know, this is the 30th show or the 20th show. And if it's not the 20th show of this tour, it's the 400th show we've done since we've been doing this. Yeah. You know? It's a gig. Yeah, right. right. You know, I, the Washington Post just did a huge thing on Altamont, really very good. And they talked to everybody. They talked to Graham and they talked to David Crosby. And they really put a perspective on it that I didn't have because mine was on the inside. Outside of like the ge the general lack of safety and the chaos and the, the there's no bathroom. People are there all fucking day. Food is sparse. Right. Like, you know, they, it's like you know, you're getting this feeling that people volunteered to be stranded in this clusterfuck. And and you know that that there there was something shifted. The angels were getting more drunk and more fucked up, and the crowd was you know sort of uh, there were some bad drugs going around that were being passed around in a liquid form. Right. And and it was like there was the acid was bad. It was you know it was there was speed involved, and that the general vibe once the sun went down turned dark. Guess what though? I just figured out was. Guess who was supposed to play? The sun's got so much heat about waiting for it to get dark. Yeah. Who was supposed to be in that the spot? That's right. So you're thinking that the dead, if they just worked their fucking hippie magic, no, I don't things would have been different? I'm not saying that, yeah. right? Although you never know, right? Right. But you didn't have people sitting there for an hour and a half waiting for the stones to show up. And now I want to read more because I, I found it very compelling for some reason because it, you know, Altamont is really seen you know, alongside of the, the Manson murders as sort of the end of it. The end of the arc of the 60s uh, in terms of love and peace and right, joy right, and the right, hippie right. trip. Right. It's where it went bad. Right. 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 right, right. Metaphorically. Right. Sure. Fair. Why yeah. not? Right. You know, it seemed like the the angels were involved in their own sort of like you had these younger recruits that needed to prove themselves. Right. And when the shit hit the fan, it was really an angels thing. Yeah. I mean, they well, kill because a guy. ain't nobody going to fuck with my bike, man. 
That's it. That's, that's, what, that's what it was, you know? Who the fuck they think we are? I think was, these things cost nothing? That was the end of the 60s. <laughs> that was, it, yeah, stay yeah. away from the bike, man. But listen, that was my question. When I finally figured out what my book was going to be, yeah. you know, I started- What, this book or that book? No, not this book. I want to talk about this Let book. Let It Bleed. But, but the Let It Bleed book, yeah. it, it was, okay, I'm going to ask everybody. It's going to start with where they're born, because that was it. It was like speed. It was like the bus movie. There were yeah. 16 people. And so you start wherever you start. You start in Sweden. You start in England. You start right. in America. Right. What's it like? And I didn't do it until like 30 years after. Right. So it's like. Did it haunt you? Oh, yeah. Because even your pictures, it's sort of like, that doesn't look safe. That doesn't look safe. No, good. no, one, oh, no, no, no. Totally haunted you. And and so I asked everybody, but this is going to go right up that English. I asked Mick Taylor yeah. whether he thought it was the end of the 60s. And he said, well, it was December 1969. <laughs> 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 Are you friends with him? How's he doing? Well, I think everybody struggled that didn't quit. Yeah. So, all right. So, so you 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 lived through that. Several other people died of different reasons that day. Well, there was a hit and run. Yeah. Uh, and and then just a real car accident. A real car accident. Yeah. But but other people could have died. That's for sure. And that and the the possibility that you might die was on everybody's mind. There was no question about it. The the scene to remember from it is is in one way was so I wanted to get off the stage. So yeah. I've been on the stage every single night, right? Yeah. And I got on that stage, I come onto the stage, the same stage I've been on every single yeah, night is right. like this. It's, it's buckling, um, there's so many people on it. Because it's, the angels are there standing in front? Angels in three, no, on stage. Yeah, that's right? what I mean, yeah. You know, and them and, you know, 40 others, right? Fans and shit. Yeah, just people, Yeah, right? And and I will, like, I want to be here. And they're all, bi- they're all <laughs> wasted, right? Like, chaotically uh, just, wasted. Yeah, just a mess. And uh, Ian Stewart, do you know who's Ian Yeah, is? the piano so, player, yeah. Well, except the founding member of the Rolling Stones. Yeah, right. He's one of the first two, Helen yeah. Bryan, right? Yeah. And he's on stage, one of the, I love Ian, but he, one of the sort of, you know, sterner, no-nonsense guys, yeah. right? And he looks scared. That was one of the triggers. Well, I, I mean, like, once the shit goes down and they can't get off stage because they got to finish playing, you, you know, it, it's kind of insane. Totally Because insane. I, do, do you feel that they saw what happened? No, and I know. So I got this. Sam said, anybody doesn't want to be here, please get off stage. Doesn't need to be here. And I was like, I don't need to be here. <laughs> I, got, I got all my After pictures. the guy gets stabbed? No, before. Okay. So I'm actually taken off the stage by Hell's Angels and put up on top of the truck, and I'm standing right next to the guy that gets that footage of the yeah. stabbing, right? I, you couldn't see Was it George Lucas? I heard he was up on a hill no, with a camera. Well, no, well, he might have been on the hill, but yeah. he wasn't on the truck below yeah, yeah, the stage, yeah, yeah. right? And uh a lot of rumors about that show. And so um, so I want to get off. So I'm there for a little bit. I'm not wanting yeah. to shoot. I got some good stuff, but only because by the grace of God, right? Yeah. And and so I get off, and I want to get to the helicopter. Yeah. There's one helicopter. Yeah. Right? Uh, there's no lights. And it's the only way these guys can get out is the one helicopter? The, the helicopter I did is all the, – the one heli- – that's it. <laughs> and, and the helicopter's sort of rated to take like 12 people and there are like 16 people on it. It's so heavy that it won't take off vertically. Right. Yeah. It sort of takes off, goes up a foot, and then drops to the ground again. You know, you could you're like not. trying to get out of Saigon. It's, it was exactly like trying <laughs> to get out of Saigon, and it finally gets over the hill, uh-huh. but just barely. Uh-huh. Right. And there were Wh- who's know, on the helicopter? Jagger, me. Oh, so it's after they finish. It's after they finish. I'm there first because I'm one out of town, right? And because if, if the feeling was it was going to blow. 
the feeling was you didn't know, but the feeling for me was they ain't going to wait for me. <laughs> that was sure, pretty, yeah. but 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 so like what happened? It's funny because for some reason Grill Marcus was there right before he, went, he was, I guess, a nascent. Right. Uh, reviewer or maybe just a kid right but he actually said that you know after the shit went down you know the the, the stone's fear is tangible i mean but keith you know you know he's he, he's tough and you believed it he was sort of like get the fuck off the stage or we're not going to play or whatever but but you know it's they're they're playing for their life you know those last two songs correct well i think jagger who's got a uh, i think jagger really saw that he was the focus and he was in particular might be the one that got targeted right but uh, and i was naive enough and this is not another targeted word, by the angels by anybody oh that he was going to get right yeah. i mean he could be targeted by a teenage girl, right sure you know uh but by but by the angel sure and Keith is not quite the same position, but I kept thinking he tried. You know, in fairness, you know this. Jagger tried to angle, cool him down. He tried to cool him down. Nobody's yeah. listened to him, yeah, right? right. Uh, and and I'm naive enough to think, well, may, he should be able to do something, right? Mm. That was just I'm just a statement of the way I thought, right? right. But 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 it, that's nonsense, right? right? Yeah. Uh, and I kept thinking, stop it, right? And so Keith ultimately is the one that wants to stop it, right? And, you know, depending on who you talk to, the Washington Post, big sort of effort, you know. I mean, they were with me eight hours, right? Yeah. And they talked to 50 people. This is recently? Yeah, like a, two weeks ago. They did it in, in light of the 50-year anniversary? Is yeah, that... same thing. But yeah. they, I mean, I'd never been really kind of seen, you know, like a really reputable organization right. really pull out the stops. And right. they really did, right? And and it's very interesting in a lot of different ways. It gave me a perspective I didn't have. It gave me some information I didn't have. I like didn't what, know. what did Crosby say that changed your mind? Oh, Crosby was sort of, you know, if you don't want <laughs> you don't want your lunch, you don't invite a tiger to lunch. Yeah, but, you right. know, for me, so much on the inside, seeing it seen from the outside and with some with, with professionals asking the questions and with some distance was pretty interesting. And you saw the last picture they chose in one of the things that they did is this single individual sitting in this wasteland with right. just the skeleton of the stage yeah. behind him. And, and whether it was intentionally done to contrast with the sort of 400,000 at Woodstock or not, it tells that story as a bookend, right? Yeah. So what was the vibe on the fucking helicopter? Oh, just everybody's quiet, completely quiet. Really? Completely quiet. Like, just sort of like, let's go. Let's... No, nothing. Just get out of here, out of here, out of here. And then they can't get out of there. And Ronnie Schneider said he pulled a gun on the helicopter guy to make him stay. Oh, to, to pick everybody up because the guy he wanted. Uh, to... I'm gone, and he. So said, that's like so that's some Vietnam shit. No, it was. I mean, the the parallel to Vietnam, not to mention the parallel for me of blow yeah. up, because the picture of the guy with the gun is I had to blow up like just like blow up in order to really bring him to front and center. That was your picture. Which one now? The of of the guy with the gun. Oh, no, no. Well, the oh. guy with the gun that you see is not a picture. It's a film. Right, that's He's right. right the film, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I have had to find him. I did, couldn't find him for years until I did that book. I finally found him, and he's small. You can see him with a green suit. Yeah. But I, I don't see the stabbing, but I see what I went and talked to the cop. From your picture. You, yeah. You had him one of yours, right. Right, right. And the, uh, to the cop that opened the cold case, yeah, right? Yeah, right. And we're talking, and the picture I have shows him talking to a guy that's sitting on a speaker right in between him and the stage. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And he's clearly telling him, you're right, you're in my way. Right. Right. So the the whole sort of, you know, his innocence, it was, uh, it was, God knows what it was. You know? Did they ever hang it on a guy? Did I mean, did the guy who killed him, the angel that did it? I Pissarro, mean, I, right. yeah. Uh, well, 
Uh, got tangled was, up, right, with a self-defense trip or what? Well, yeah, I think, yeah. you know, I heard that it was if you have a gun and you have a knife, the, then right. the guy with the knife gets self-defense, Yeah, right? Yeah. I think that's real, too. I think if you hadn't spent the entire afternoon sort of listening to people scream and having to deal with that chaos, he might have been a hero. Right, right. Uh, yeah, interesting. Right, yeah. you know. So you, you have closure around this shit now? Yeah, I have. Closure might not be the right word. I have a sense of really having devoted... A, a real amount of time and work to getting the, something that looked like the real story, you know. Yeah, and for yourself, for myself, and for and because I because the tour, which is again the sort of if you take it from a perspective, the, I had you know eighteen gigs and they were all spectacular. Except yeah. for that one. Right? Yeah, but, and 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 what was the when you regrouped with the Stones in seventy two, which was a monumental tour, right? Uh, was it talked about? Oh, the the. The, the amount of security that was in, you know, people making sure you couldn't get an event, that uh-huh. uh, everybody had security. Uh-huh. I mean, it was so different in oh, 1969. So the, so the reaction to it was, oh, yeah. yeah. Everybody. Never again. Never. Right. Well, <laughs> that, 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 you so know, the, I don't know if it's true or hearsay, but the, you know, Hells Angels that got swept off the boat trying to attack Jagger in Long Island. They got in a boat and were going to come in. And, oh, they had a vendetta. Sonny Barger had a vendetta, vendetta on him. Yeah, because. He badmouthed them. He badmouthed them a lot. Yeah. So it's not that simple. Right, right. right. Uh, but, the, but they definitely had it. And so the start of the 72 tour, everybody had a gun. Everybody had, <laughs> not, I don't know, everybody had a bodyguard. Yeah, right? yeah. And Astrid, who's Bill Wyman's That's significant yeah. other, had their seven-year-old in, and, and the guy, the guy's in there, and she offers us some tea, and she goes to make the tea, and then he, and then when she comes out, he, the guy is showing her ten-year-old kid <laughs> the, his silencer. <laughs> oh, great! You know? so you're on the plane for that whole thing. Yeah, well, for two-thirds of that tour, and then I was love that picture of Terry Southern and, and Keith. Yeah, well, thanks. T- Terry was not well. No, I know. Right. Yeah, it's too bad. Right, because like he was sort of an amazing talent that just got fucking no, destroyed yeah, himself. That's right, totally, and and wasn't pleasant when I met him. I mean, you know, I know, you know, I I he was wasn't well with the compulsion. He was met. he was in you know in that kind of you know inflated you know oh, yeah, egomaniac right, okay. oh, oh, yeah. you know alcoholic right. drug addict nonsense. Yeah. is kind of what it was, you know. And yeah, it's so funny that you know Keith just sort of survived them all. Yes. Because he was always like, you know, oddly careful uh, in a way, like in terms of what he was putting into his body. You know, he got the best shit. I think there's something in that. Yeah. You know, I don't know. I didn't do that stuff. That wasn't my yeah. particular thing. Uh, but uh, and because I look dangerous to me, you yeah. know, okay. you know, and, I, yeah. and so and also Keith has been magnificent in more recent years in terms of how generous he's been he's been very generous with a lot of people in both in terms of how he thought he's uh, a very bright guy like when i read bright. that when i read the book i'm like this guy's not just some dumb no, no, junkie no, 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 it's no, a no, fucking no. deep dude he's he's very, he's just, yeah deep is a good word and it's just that like i'm going to take a step 3 feet to the side and just look what it looks like from here yeah. you know kind of thing yeah. and and generous with that and so the survival part of it Clearly, he gets that he got lucky. The genetics, man. You know, yeah, it's, yeah. It, and luck, and you know? luck, right? Yeah, I met him. I interviewed him, and uh, right. I was a little beside myself, but it was pretty great. Well, I cu- I didn't say five words to him in the whole '69 tour. And there were only sixteen of us. There was just no reason, uh-huh. you know. Uh, he was want- he was he a big talker? 
I think if he talked about things he cared about, uh, yeah. right? And so Stanley Booth, again, since they could talk Memphis and music and stuff, they talked, right? right? right. But I couldn't talk that. So now let's talk about, I guess, like there's so many great things, I, I, obviously I'm not getting to in the book. There, there's, you know, you did, you know, like there, we're talking about the Stones, we're, we're talking about Lennon, we're talking about, well, you've been a, you, you got, you got Zappa in there, you got Ron Set in there, you got the Eagles in there, you've got, um, I think there's a John Hyatt series in there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, but, but these are, are seminal shots that a lot of people will be familiar with, but to see them all together, uh, it, it's really uh, it, it, like it's you know, because like I I like coffee table books and I like art books and I like photo books, but a lot of times when you're looking at celebrity photos, especially ones you're familiar with, you're like, do I need that? But this book I've gone back to over and over again because these are you know these are you know just uh, singular pictures of these people. Well, and I pre- I did it for my son. That's why I did it. You know, I'm 70, whatever I am, four, and yeah. my son's 16. Yeah. Right? So I got a really young son. And I thought, you know, whenever I shuffle off, you know, because, yeah. you know, could be. Sure. You know, uh, I wanted something for him. And so the whole thing is that I kickstarted it. Yeah. <laughs> I controlled it completely. I spent exactly as much money as it needed to be to be as good as it could be. Yeah. And it's for him. And it's that's the legacy of it. And, and it wasn't. It was like, it's done. Do you know what I mean? I did it. He's got it. It's real. The purity of this is really interesting. And it's because all you can only get it from my website. Yeah. I'm not giving it to, you know, Jeff Publisher. Bezos. Yeah, yeah, You know, yeah. I'm just not. You yeah. Know? It's for, ne- right now, it's for it to be pure. And I think the purity of it is a little bit of what you respond to. Oh, it. yeah. You know, it's really beautiful. It's couldn't be better printed. What's the website? Uh, EthanRussell.com. It's a great gift. For, Thanks, for, yeah. Yeah, for your dad. Uh, yeah, right. <laughs> now, <laughs> Come on, kids. So I, when I went, I took my son yeah. when he was like nine to the Stones in Oakland. Yeah. Right. You know, and uh-huh. he fell asleep. God bless him. Right. <laughs> but the previous time that I'd been in Oakland with the Rolling Stones, my dad had been in the audience. Oh, yeah? Yeah. So it was like that thing. Did he like yeah. it? My dad, yeah. his response was, that Benny Goodman's a real, not Benny Goodman, yeah, yeah. that B.B. King's a real showman. Oh, he, he opened for him? Yeah. No, there's pictures of BB in there too, and Benny Goodman in the book. Yeah, right. I like the little the thing you said about Benny Goodman is that you didn't feel like experienced enough, so you're shooting him like a rock guy because <laughs> yeah, you got that upshot. <laughs> yeah, no, and, no. You know, you know, I spent my life thinking Robert Plant was nine feet tall. <laughs> they, they're all dwarves. Yeah, right, right, right. You know, <laughs> it's that angle, yeah. man. <laughs> it is. It is a hero angle. It sure, sure is. is. Yeah. But okay. So in closing, how the how the pee on the wall happen? In oh, the, so the. the, the that point, I got hired to talk to Pete yeah. to do a cover. They needed right. a cover. They'd had three, didn't like them, yeah, right? Yeah. And I was at that point very much like singer songwriter, singer songwriter. I want to do something. So I spent all this time talking to Pete about Lifehouse and everything. Nothing happened. Yeah. They said we need a cover. Come to the Midlands, right? They yeah. were playing some live gigs, so we did. The back cover was shot. Then it's really terrible. The back cover is instantly forgettable. Hence, I, you're trying <laughs> to remember. Yeah, well, that's right. Yeah. Forgettable. And so we're driving back. It's in the rain. Pete drives like a hundred miles an hour crazy in the rain yeah right i on the way on up, those but, roads on those roads yeah. i scared the shit out of yeah. me but anyway so we're now a little caravan not many just three cars i think uh-huh. right there's no you know there's none of the nonsense you have today yeah it's just not there yeah and so pete's going and still, so and it's a good shot and it, you don't I, need the nonsense you know that's no, what you, you don't. prove <laughs> you know, that's right you can't <laughs> yeah and we drive in by and yeah. and and i see these shapes and we go up there and we do the it, you can see it in here they never been published the, the shapes were well, they were just these monoliths well, these concrete out, well you today if you go to where that is yeah. you see this much monolith and it's all grass uh-huh. and it was a tip as the brits call it right they put garbage in it they fell it up 
Oh. That's what all those were. There were a couple others off camera, right? It's a dump. It's a dump. It's basically yeah. a dump. And then and so I'm they're doing the apes and I'm thinking the apes are cool, but like like, I, I like 2001? Know. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, cuz that's what it is, right? It looks like the monolith. It yeah. looks like the monolith. Yeah. And then I'm thinking that's kind of cool but don't really know what to do with it. And I don't I'm not a guy that sits and there going, be, I got but, this idea. But that'd be a joke cover. If you if yeah, you yes, shot that's right. right. Yeah, so yeah. I didn't think that was it. Yeah. And then while I'm wondering what the fuck it is, <laughs> I look up and Townsend's peed on it. So Towns is real pee. The others are all film cans of water. I okay. went, so, oh, okay, got that. So, and then we did the other one. I didn't do much. It's a Haas of Blood with a Polaroid back. Right? Yeah. And, and I, I don't know if I took 14 shots. Yeah. Do you know? Yeah. And, okay, guy, let's go. And, we then we're, and then we're driving down the, the motorway, and I'm thinking, oh, geez, I hope I got that. <laughs> you know? Because <laughs> that was pretty good, you know? Yeah. It was great. Yeah. It's a monumental cover yeah. on a monumental record. Yeah. And you did a few of them. But I, 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 I honestly, like, I don't, like, we never met, and, you know, I, I don't know why, you, you know, I'm so happy you sent it to me, because I opened it, I'm like, what is this? And you got Keith on the cover, so right away, I'm like, I'm in. Right. And I just, I just love it, man. It, you know, the, it, and it was like, again, I'm at the far end of the boomer thing, yeah, so yeah. I really missed most of this, but when I was a kid growing up, I mean, it was what I worshipped, so yeah. it was like, oh, it's great, and yeah. uh, it, great job, and it was great talking to you. Yeah, you too, thank you. Yeah, man. All right. There you go. Good talk. Great talk. Uh, the book is The Best Seat in the House, and it's available as a, as a book and as an interactive digital version at ethanrussell.com. And tomorrow, uh, meditate a little on the fact that December 6th, tomorrow is the 50th anniversary of Altamont, the, the free concert uh, where a man was killed in the Rolling Stones. Just chaos. Barely made it out. I don't know what would have happened. None of us do. And now I will play some some sad music with my thumb and my other finger. I'm, I'm, that's the direction I'm going. Two fingers. All right? Yep. Don't make it dirty.